Hello and welcome to another Tuesday night edition of Connor and Coverage. My name is Connor Riley. We do this every Tuesday night. And of course, Tuesday night, we're going to be previewing the start of the early signing period, which begins tomorrow for the college football landscape here. And obviously, Georgia football, one of the bigger and better recruiting programs in the country as we sit here going into the early signing period. Georgia has the number one class in the country, and they're going to have to fight to maintain that number one ranking. I think when it comes down to it at the end, I think it's going to be really tough for someone to knock off Texas A&M with the class that they are potentially putting together. But don't let that distract you from the fact that Georgia has built a really solid class and has the potential to add to it on Wednesday. We're going to get into some of the names to know. We're also going to touch on Georgia did a lot of work today, landing two commitments, Chandler Smith and Dalen Everett, two guys who were committed to Georgia rivals, so to speak. Obviously, Florida, where Smith was committed to a much bigger rival, so to speak, than Clemson. But still, uh, Georgia doing some work today, adding to their class, and then sort of wrap things up. We'll set the table a little bit for tomorrow in terms of who is announcing when and sort of when to follow along, as well as what Dog Nation's plans are. Because we're going to have you updated with coverage throughout the day but we've given everyone about two minutes here to settle on in we're talk some recruiting here i am no jeff Sintel, but he will be with you guys tomorrow night around eight o'clock ish as usual it'll be a busy day for him he is headed down to kamari wilson down there in florida to cover his announcement marvin jones will also announce tomorrow shamar james it'll be a busy day and jeff is going to wrap it up with all of you at eight o'clock but unfortunately for right now you're stuck here with me and so we'll sort of preview the day set the table sort of set expectations in terms of what we're going to hear and see we are set to talk to some georgia players and head coach kirby smart tomorrow so in addition to all the national signing day content you will get some uh college football playoff preview news coming out of tomorrow. I imagine you're going to hear a little bit more about what sort of Georgia's plan is as far as the defensive coordinator role with Dan Lanning, who is of course now the head coach at Oregon that has changed since we have last met with you. I'm sure there are questions about that that will be asked and answered, but our first topic here tonight is on see if I got this right. Yes. Georgia, Alabama battles too. And I spelled the term wrong there. Sweet Connor. Nice job. Uh, nice job spelling there. But yeah, so we're going to talk about Georgia, Alabama here to sort of open things up and sort of set the table for tomorrow, because I think that's from my vantage point right now, the thing that is going to mostly determine what makes a successful signing day for Georgia in terms of, you know, what's the morale for this program? Because right now this is already a, a great signing class. Even if Georgia were not to land anyone else, they already have the number one class, Points-wise, it is around 312 points. That is a better class than it was a season ago. 27 commitments, four five-star prospects on the defensive side of the ball. I think they have 10 players in the top 100 overall prospects that can grow tomorrow as well there. But Georgia-Alabama battles, those are sort of the ones that I think are really going to set the tenor and tone of the day. At 4 o'clock, you've got Kamari Wilson, who is set to announce then. That is Alabama is actually not in that one. That sounds like a Florida, a Florida state, an LSU battle there for Mr. Wilson, who is a five-star safety and can further add to Georgia's star-studded defensive backfield. As it stands right now, they have six commitments back there, five of them in the top 102 prospects in the country. However, I would say I don't expect Georgia to, to land and keep uh, – all the prospects that they currently have. I would not be surprised if, say, a Julian Humphrey, who has been reoffered by Florida, potentially ends up there uh, in the event that Georgia lands a Kamari Wilson, who could also go to Florida. So 
you know, landing Everett is a big win, but that might come with an opportunity cost. And that might mean a, a defensive back might potentially go elsewhere. So that's going to be something certainly to monitor there. But I think the bigger storyline, as far as the way it shapes up for tomorrow, Georgia, Alabama for two battles, Later on in the day, one of those actually got solved earlier today. Uh, Dalen Everett, a five-star cornerback, was thought to be between Georgia and Alabama. You see on your screen right now, he commits to Georgia, five-star prospect, number six overall cornerback, was a Clemson commitment. And ultimately, when Brent Venables leaves, he backs off his pledge there, along with Clemson's three other top defensive prospects. And so Georgia swoops in and adds him to this defensive back class. You have Jaheim Singletary. You have Malachi Starks. Those are three five-star defensive backs. And so moving ahead to tomorrow at 440, Marvin Jones Jr. is going to announce where he is going. And I actually think this is the most important recruit Georgia could land tomorrow. Jones is a five-star edge rusher, 6'4", 245 pounds, comes from American Heritage High School. That is one of the football factories in this country as it stands right now. Players like Sony Michelle have come from there. Isaiah McKenzie, former Georgia kicker Marshall Morgan. Tyson Campbell played there. But Alabama has also gone into there and pulled out some impressive players. Patrick Sertain Jr., uh, Dallas Turner in this previous recruiting cycle, a five-star that they beat down there. It sounds like it is a Georgia-Alabama battle. Maybe USC gets involved. The not-so-secret thing with Jones was that he was long considered an Oklahoma commit, a silent commit, but when Lincoln Riley ups and leaves there, he's sort of reevaluating everything and where he goes with his decision. Georgia got him on campus this weekend. He was there with Michael Williams, a five-star defensive end who could be sort of in that edge rusher, you know, Trayvon Walker-type role for Georgia moving forward. And if you look at the depth situation on Georgia's outside linebacker position. I think this is a guy that absolutely have to land just given how thin this room really gets and could potentially get even thinner. If Nolan Smith makes the decision to declare for the NFL draft behind him right now, as it stands, you've got Chaz Chambliss and MJ Sherman, two good players, but I think it's far too early to say those guys are going to be difference makers out there on the edge, sort of like Georgia had in these last two seasons with Jermaine Johnson, Aziz Ojolari, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith. That's a pretty steep drop off there from what Georgia wants. Now they do have Darius Smith, a, a four-star pass rusher, sort of in that similar Adam Anderson mold, long lean, going to be able to get after the passer and do a lot of things in coverage. But Georgia needs more studs in that outside linebacker room. And Jones would go a long way to filling that. So if they're able to land him, I think that goes a long way in sort of a solving up some of the potential depth issues that they have. I do think Jones Jr. could come to Georgia and play early, at at the very least in a situational pass rusher role, and then maybe develop into more from that. I would note Xavier Sori is a name to pay attention to here. I think Georgia likes him as an inside linebacker, but he does have the frame to potentially move to the outside linebacker spot. But I, I think at the end of the day, I think Georgia wants to keep I think they want to keep Sori at that inside linebacker position because you saw in the Charleston Southern game some of the gifts that he possesses there. And so, you know, in the event that they don't land Marvin Jones Jr. Mar, let's say he does go to Alabama, you maybe move him out there. I think James Pierce, a prospect from North Carolina, is one to watch. He's going to sign in February. That is a big prospect to monitor in the event that they don't get a Marvin Jones Jr. But if you look back to the SEC championship game, I would say Georgia had the better collection of talent across the board. Uh, They were, I think, a deeper team than Alabama was. But Alabama had a clear edge at three on-field positions. They had the better quarterback. They had the better pure pass rusher in Will Anderson, and they had the better wide receiver in Jamison Williams. A quarterback is not an issue we're going to get into tonight. We are going to talk about that long into the offseason, probably even long into the college football playoff as that sort of ramps up and heats up there. 
wide receiver, it, it sort of is what it is. You know, you land a guy in Chandler Smith today, but as I think I said before the season, you need to develop the guys that you have in-house and turn them into star players. And injuries have really derailed that. Obviously, George Pickens forced and foremost, but Jermaine Burton has never been healthy this season. Arian Smith is out for the year with an injury. Uh, Dominic Blaylock was battling injuries all season. Karius Jackson was hurt for a large majority of this season. So uh, I think with wide receiver, you have to develop that there. But at that pass rusher position for a, a couple of years beforehand, you would say Georgia had the edge there. That's just not the case anymore. And if anything, it's going to get wider at, with that gap there with Alabama and going into next year, given Anderson will be back again. Dallas Turner, who had a sack in that game against Georgia, will be back as a sophomore. So landing a guy like Marvin Jones Jr. works in twofold. One, you keep him from going Alabama. But two, I think you 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 get him in there at a clear position of need. And that's something Georgia has sort of it's how it works in cycles. You have a position of strength, all that talent sort of leaves within two years of each other. And now it's probably, in my opinion, Georgia's biggest weakness going into next year's team as far as a single position. So landing Jones at 440 would be huge for Georgia. Uh, Dan Lanning was one of his recruiters, but Jamila Adai has a strong relationship with that family recruited Jones's older brother to West Virginia so uh, that it, it's a battle. I don't know if I want to call it a must win, but it would benefit Georgia greatly if they are able to land Marvin Jones. And then later on in the day uh, at six o'clock, Shamar James is set to announce his commitment. Uh, he is going to be an inside linebacker prospect, but if you land him, what it sort of allows you to do, maybe you move a CJ Washington or a Jalen Walker to that outside linebacker spot. And he's a very good player in his own right. I believe the number 64 overall player in the country and again, you're going to lose a ton at this inside linebacker spot this year. And I think what Georgia is doing, maybe a little bit of a better job is stacking this inside linebacker room. Like it has done it sort of say the offensive line, so to speak, or the running back room where sure there are going to be some years where you lose a ton of talent, but with how well you've recruited those inside linebacker positions, there's not going to be a truly significant drop off. I'm very excited next year to see what Schmel Munden, Jamon Dumas Johnson and Xavier Sori do with more playing time. And the linebacker inside linebacker class that Georgia potentially stands to bring in in this class is no slouch either. Uh, Jalen, Walker is a top fifth prospect. CJ Washington, a very impressive player out of out of Cedar Town up there in North Georgia. And, and then Shamar James bona fides are well established there as well. So if Georgia's able to land him, especially James, being a former Florida commit, I think you know, you land those two, you tie in Everett there as well. That's a really strong signing day. And while it might not end Georgia with the number one class. I, I think that's an impressive haul for Kirby Smart, especially as they try to keep pace with both Alabama and Texas A&M, who have clearly shown they are not going anywhere uh, in terms of recruiting and landing big-time players in each and every cycle. So I think that is absolutely something to watch going forward. And I would point out as well, if Georgia is able to land a Marvin Jones Jr., that speaks to the strength of the recruiting ability of this entire staff because Dan Lanning is a very well-regarded recruiter. But him leaving Oregon is at some point going to have an impact on Georgia's ability to recruit outside linebackers. So if they're able to land him, I think that clears up a lot of you know any confusion about where things might be. It speaks to the strength that this staff as a whole has to recruit. And as we sort of mentioned on Dog Nation Daily today with Brandon Adams, Georgia's ability to shine on visits. Georgia got Marvin Jones Jr. last. Alabama got Dalen Everett last. Georgia's able to land Dalen Everett. If they're able to land Marvin Jones Jr., I think that go a long way in answering a number of big questions about Georgia, especially as they match up against Alabama, obviously off the field, but as they try and keep pace and ultimately beat them on the field, you need guys like Marvin Jones on your team and not on Alabama's.
So that's our first topic for tonight, sort of setting the scene there with Georgia and Alabama. Marvin Jones Jr. announcing at 440. Shamar James announcing at 6 o'clock. Kamari Wilson will announce at 4. Those are the three big names to sort of follow today. And Georgia got some of its early signing day fireworks fired off today. They landed two commitments, both from former rivals who went under some coaching changes. First, as we mentioned earlier, they land Chandler Smith, four-star wide receiver out of the Orlando area down there in Florida. This guy's a speedster, very similar to Arian Smith. Uh, I believe he runs a 10-1, 100-meter yard dash now. He is dealing with a little bit of a knee injury right now, and given how banged up Arian Smith has been over the time of his Georgia career, that's something to monitor going forward as, there as well. But Georgia clearly needs more speed in this wide receiver room, and they get that in – uh, CJ Smith, Chandler, CJ Smith, excuse me, I should say there. So I think that's certainly, you know, a, a win there. And again, it comes at the expense of Florida. You know, if George is able to hold on to Julian Humphrey and then able to land Smith and James, that's three former Florida commitments that were in your class. That's taking advantage of the situations at your biggest rival and turning not only now a weakness for them, it adds to your collective strength there as well. And so I think it's very important, especially, I think this year with the coaching carousel, it showed you, you know, this, this stuff's going to turn faster than ever. There's more money in the sport now than ever before. And I think even with that SEC contract coming in, there's a potential for more money to invest there. And that's going to decrease patience and I think increase the number of coaching turnover that we see. And so when you're, when you're at a school like Georgia, who has a ton of stability right now with the way that it is set up with Kirby smart and keeping things copacetic every year, you have a new athletic director in place in Josh Brooks. You you have these sort of alignment. That's one of the real buzzwords of this month of December. There's an alignment with Georgia that can appeal to a lot of people. And so that I think takes advantage of what you saw there at Florida. The other commitment that Georgia landed today mentioned him earlier, Dalen Everett, that's a direct addition of sort of the lack of alignment at Clemson right now. Dabo Sweeney is essentially starting over. He, you know, this was not a very good year for Clemson. I think they took a clear step back, going nine and three. Still a, a good year, but not the year that Clemson had been accustomed to. Offensive coordinator is now the head coach at Virginia. Brent Venables, their defensive coordinator. Tony Elliott is his name. Uh, Brent Venables, defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator there down in Clemson. He's now the head coach at Oklahoma. Uh, Dan Radikavich, their athletic director, he's now the athletic director at Miami. Dabo uh, did make his hires today, promotes Brandon Streeter to be his uh, offensive coordinator, and then we'll have the go the co-defensive coordinator out with Mickey Kahn, a former Grayson High School coach here in the state of Georgia, being one of those co-defensive coordinators. So he's promoting within there. But for a Clemson program that had preached itself as the model of stability, they go under undergo a ton of changes. They lose their top three of their top four defensive recruits in Dalen Everett, who ends up at Georgia. Keon Sab, a safety, is probably going to end up at Michigan. And then Jihad Campbell, it sounds like a four-star edge rusher, is going to end up at either Alabama or Texas A&M. And when you're a program like Clemson that already doesn't recruit the same way that the big boys recruit, that makes it really tough for you to try and keep up. And so they've undergone a lot of changes there. And I think Georgia is a team that is going to see Clemson, I think now five times over the next 11 years. And they're going to see Clemson quite a bit. 2024, I believe, is the next time they're on the schedule. But you could certainly, if Dabo's able to right the ship, see them in a playoff at some point. Well, today, that, that seems hard to imagine just given the season that they had down there uh, in Clemson. I guess technically from Georgia, it's up there since they're further north of where we currently are in Atlanta. So 
you know, Georgia really in this cycle, you know, story one A for me tomorrow is going to be how Georgia does against Alabama in terms of those big name recruits there at the end. The other story that I'm paying attention to is Georgia taking advantage of the instability at some of its closest rivals. You see them, you know, sort of rating Florida's class for some of their players, especially their top players, you know, Julian Humphrey, uh, top 100 player. Shamar James would be a top 100 player. Chandler Smith, a four-star wide receiver, I believe the highest ranked receiver in Georgia's class right now. So rating there, taking advantage of Clemson and sort of the struggles that they've had this season, both on the field and then the turnover that they have had as sort of an administration at large. So taking advantage of that, even, you know, Michael Williams is a guy who, instability at USC Clay Helton gets fired he's going to end up at Georgia even though he was a one-time USC commitment Bear Alexander ends up at, at, at Georgia because of the stability that that program has offered year in year out um, you look at a guy like Ernest Green that's a guy who's usually earmarked for USC he's going to he might potentially end up at Georgia that's something to watch there as he announces his decision on January 8th, uh, Christian Miller, a guy who was one, one time considered a USC lane, the instability there potentially leads to Georgia uh, for Mr. Miller there. He's not going to announce tomorrow. And we'll, we'll touch on sort of the times and the targets for everybody coming up here in just a bit. But it's sort of wrapping and putting a bow on this. Georgia in this cycle is going to sign an elite class. You know, most years it'd probably be good for a, a number one type class. They took a few more developmental guys uh, in, in terms of, you know, the traditional elite teams, but I, I don't know how you look at how well Georgia has done with those sort of developmental type players. And I'm talking about three stars. That's when I say developmental, that's what I mean. Jordan Davis is going to be a first round pick and win the outland trophy. Eric Stokes is balling out in the NFL right now. He was a, he was a three star and a first round pick for Georgia. Lad McConkey, Georgia's statistically best wide receiver this year, a three star, no name prospect, a Donnie Mitchell, a freshman contributor for this team, a three star prospect. Georgia has shown that it can take guys who, for whatever reason, the rest of the college football world does not value and turn them into productive players at certain positions. Obviously, you still need five-star corners. They have that in Darian Kendrick and Keely Ringo. You still need those big maulers up front, and guys like Jamari Sawyer, who's a five-star prospect. Broderick Jones, who will take over him, is a five-star prospect. Uh, Cedric Von Prahn was the number one center prospect in his country coming out. At certain positions, you need those top guys. But at other spots, you know, Georgia has shown, hey, we can identify and find developmental players who meet, cert who meet certain athletic requirements, you know, in this class, the name that comes to mind is Cole Spear, a guy who, similar to Lad McConkey, and again, I don't, I hate making that comparison because it's two white wide receivers, but Cole Spear just made plays for Calhoun all season long, and it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I'm not going to put the McConkey expectations on him to do it as quickly as McConkey did, but it wouldn't surprise me if Cole Spear makes a handful of big plays for Georgia uh, eventually when the time comes there. They've done a phenomenal job of identifying players that they really like and turning them into productive players. So, you know, that's sort of why Georgia's recruiting class is where it is. You know, surely they could take some more top-level guys, but this staff really under Kirby Smart trusts its development ability in terms of identifying those lower-ranked prospects. And point out as well, they're still going to finish with close to or more than a dozen top 100 players. So they've got the developmental guys who they know are going to be on the roster for a few years and then eventually blossom, along with the top players that meet those super high athletic traits that, frankly, you see in the college football playoff. This year, obviously, a little different with Michigan and Cincinnati, but in years past, the college football playoff has been dominated by teams like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, 
Oklahoma who get the best players in the country and Georgia continues to do that. You know, they're, I don't think they're going to finish with the number one class, but it'll be a top three class. And it's still, you know, as statistically speaking might actually go down as the best class Kirby signs from a pure recruiting point standpoint. So, so our second topic there going in a variety of different directions, but Georgia really taking advantage and using its stability and its alignment to, to, to poach some talented players from rivals like Florida and Clemson there. So that's our second topic here for tonight. Last thing before I open it up for questions, uh, recruiting targets to monitor. We're going to rip through these really quickly, and I'm sure we'll get questions on this later again. Uh, Kamari Wilson, the first, eh, the first realistic target, in my opinion, that Georgia is set to get tomorrow, potentially get tomorrow, I should say. We'll announce at 4 p.m. That gives me live broadcasted on Dog Nation. We will be there live on the scene down there from Fort Pierce, Florida, broadcasting Wilson's announcement live. At 4.40, Marvin Jones Jr. is going to announce his commitment. He is announcing on ESPN. That, to me, is the most important recruiting battle to watch over the course of the day there on Wednesday. 6 o'clock, Shamar James, four-star linebacker, is set to announce his commitment down between Georgia and Alabama, it sounds like. Other names too much. Uh, Demario Tolan, a four-star linebacker, he's set to announce his commitment at, at 10.30 in the morning tomorrow. Travis Hunter, number one player in the country, has visited Georgia a bunch. I still think he's going to end up at Florida State, but until that NI or at National letter of intent, NLI, not to be confused with NIL, name, image, and likeness. Until that NLI is in for Travis Hunter, uh, that's going to be something worth monitoring there. Uh, Two names to monitor tomorrow that are going to announce later on, but they could potentially sign tomorrow. Ernest Green, four-star offensive lineman out of California, plays that uh, powerhouse St. John Bosco. It's the same school that produced DJ Uyunglele. Sounds like Georgia and Alabama are battling for his services right now. Four-star offensive lineman. I've seen some rumblings, so to speak, uh, of how Georgia's offensive line's recruited. You land a guy like Ernest Green, I think those rumblings go away. And then Christian Miller, four-star defensive tackle just outside the top 100 from Cedar Grove. I, I think with Georgia, it seems like they're going to lose Tyree West. He's going to decommit. And in in my opinion, most likely end up at Florida State, but you land a guy in Christian Miller potentially to replace him. He's maybe going to announce January 8th, but we're not 100% sure on when he announces. It sounds like right now is between Georgia and Ohio State for his services. But that is sort of the overlay for tomorrow. A a backloaded day, rarely, uh, you know, something not that often seen. Georgia's going to try and get most of their guys signed in in before the day starts, before I should say lunch anyway. And we'll have you covered all day long. Dog Nation's going to have a live blog up. It's already up and rolling. Georgia actually already has its first signee in Brett Thorson, all the way from Australia because of the time zone, because of the way time zones work. It's actually already Wednesday down there in Australia. So Brett Thorson is in. Georgia has its first signee, the number one punter in the country in Brett Thorson. So signing day is here in certain parts of the world. Georgia has Brett Thorson signed, sealed, delivered in the class. And we expect a big day tomorrow there as well. Georgia has a stands right now, 27 commits. Most of those will sign tomorrow. And they stand to pick up a few commitments there as well. So now I open it up for your questions. I'm not exactly feeling 100%. Uh, rolled my ankle today. But we're going to try and answer as many of these questions as we can. Uh, let's see. Questions, thoughts, comments. Let's see. Kathy Equavia Green, I appreciate the comment. Let's see. A lot of Bama fans jumping in here, which given the title that I have on this, it's not all that surprising. 
Um, let's see. Uh, Chase Spitzer. I would monitor uh, Florida here. Um, they did get him on that last official visit. Corey Raymond is now the defensive backs coach down there in Florida. He is one of the best in the country when it comes to that. And, and Billy Napier is a good recruiter. He comes from that same Nick Saban mold and model along with working with Dabo Sweeney. So uh, Kamari Wilson, this has gotten a little bit more interesting. Maybe it's just your traditional signing day drama for a guy that has long been thought to be going to Georgia. But you know, that's one that's going to be worth watching tomorrow. And I, and I will note, you know, Florida may not sign a great class tomorrow, but I honestly don't think that they should. I think they should leave it open for transfers as a way to build early because I think we've seen trying to just grab guys and sign them at the last minute is not a successful way to build your program uh, when you were recently hired. So, and we talked about this last week on Cover 4, Kirby Smart, getting hired when he did, frankly, and not having to deal with an early signing period made a big difference for some of those guys in that 2016 class that he was able to land. Uh, let's see. Uh, HMAC, yeah. Will Muschamp is already paying major dividends for this team. I think that's a big reason why you saw him promoted to co-defensive coordinator. How long that lasts for, I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, offseason comes, they make Glenn Schumann the full-blown defensive coordinator, but we'll see there. But Will Muschamp absolutely made a difference for Georgia in this class. You look at a guy like a Dalen Everett. You look at a guy like a Jaheim Singletary. That is a guy that has done very well with defensive backs, and I think that resonated in this class. Uh, One thing, I do see a comment on Tank Bigsby. It sounds like he's not actually, in fact, going to enter the transfer portal. So I know there was a lot of smoke there around that. There was even one report out there that had said he was expected to enter. That does not seem like going to end up being the case there. Uh, And personally speaking... I think I'd rather have Jameer Gibbs, the Georgia Tech running back, than than Tank Bigsby, but that's because of what Georgia sort of already has in its running back room. Kendall Milton is that same sort of physical style that Tank Bigsby does, whereas I think Jameer Gibbs is more of in that James Cook role uh, and maybe a little bit more athletic than Kenny McIntosh. But again, I don't necessarily know if Georgia needs to go out and add a running back through the transfer portal when you're, you're signing Branson Robinson, you're signing Jordan James, and you so long as Kenny McIntosh comes back, you have Kenny McIntosh, you have Kendall Milton, you have a very strong running back room. Uh, Princey, I did mention this earlier. Uh, I do think you're going to see some attrition. And, and I'm sure you're talking about the transfer portal as, as far as guys in the current roster there as well. And I can touch on that in a minute. I, I wouldn't be surprised if either, say, a Kamari Wilson ends up at Florida or, or Jalen uh, Humphrey ends up back at Florida. He got reoffered today. And that's a situation that we are certainly monitoring. As far as the on field, you know, current Georgia roster, it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, you wonder about a guy like Nylon Green who did not get off to a great start and then obviously has, you know, the BB gun incident. I'm not going to say that's an arrest or whatever. I think that thing was largely overblown as far as the way the laws are written. But, you know, you look at a guy, Kamari Lasseter is clearly ahead of him on the depth chart. Jalen Kimber, you wonder if after the spring where he might be, although granted last spring he was ahead of Keely Ringo on the depth chart there. So, you know, Georgia's bringing in a lot of defensive backs and a lot of those guys think they're going to play early. The reality is that's not going to be the case. And as far as Georgia's transfer portal as a whole, I expect to see, you know, last year we saw, I think, 10 guys transfer from this program. I think you're going to see at least 12 from this year. And it's going to happen really quickly after, you know, Georgia's playoff run comes to an end because as it stands right now, nobody has entered the transfer portal because they still want to play out this season. But if Georgia's in the national championship game with classes starting so soon after that, you're going to want to see guys, 
get that done with, get that decided and get going from there. So I expect, you know, not just at the cornerback position, Prince, but across this entire Georgia roster, a, a, a good amount of attrition. That's just the way college football is going to be nowadays. And it's, it's, you know, you're going to see probably, especially at some of these bigger programs every year, you're going to have your crop going off to the NFL and you're also going to have your crop of transfers there. So it becomes a much bigger challenge to manage the 25 man roster. But when you're getting hundred million dollar contracts, uh, which I expect Kirby smart to, that's just sort of what, the reality that comes with it. More money, more problems, uh, to quote a, a wise philosopher. Uh, I did see a good... Um, well, Randy Hall, I, I point out, if you go back to the 2020 offensive line, Hall, Georgia signed a far better class than Alabama did that year. And, and last year, sure, Alabama got the five stars, but Georgia still signed a really, really good class. Three top 100 players, and Jared Wilson is a guy that really impressed uh, in practices uh, this year so far. That's still a really strong offensive line class. So this year, when Georgia, when you stack two really strong offensive line classes back-to-back, like Alabama did this year and last year, and then probably won't have a great offensive line class next year, it, it becomes hard to string three of those together in a row. But you land a guy like Ernest Green, and there's not a lot of early playing time available for this Georgia offensive line right now. You've got guys like Michael Morris, Dylan Fairchild, who are battling just to see the field. So you can't sell that to recruits when the recruits that you brought in last year aren't even on the field yet. So I think that's part of the reason why. And look, recruits, you know, you mentioned facilities, winning all that. The things that matter are getting to the NFL, early playing time, and then championships. And you've got to be a program that develops guys in NFL players. Georgia has shown that they're able to do that. They're going to have another strong NFL draft hall this year. You have to play freshmen early and play guys early. And Georgia does that. Um, maybe not as much as people want at certain positions, but they do do that. And then obviously from there, you have to win. And Georgia, for the most part, when they're not playing Alabama, wins. So let's see. See the free JT people have shown up. Not even sure why, uh, given this has mostly been... Actually, I think this has been entirely been a, J- a uh, recruiting show, but let's see. Um, I did see one comment. Um... I can't tell you not to worry about Julian Humphrey. Uh, I, I cannot do that. Uh, Chris, Chris Walshot. Yeah. Uh, Hunter, I'm assuming that means Travis Hunter, number one player in the country, won a state title for Collins Hill this past weekend. I still think he ends up at Florida State. He's been pretty ironclad and strong and outspoken about that. If you want me to offer you some hope, crazier things have happened. And until that national letter of intent is in, you know, you can hope and wonder there, but if I could pitch you another scenario, George has done a really good job recruiting him and getting him on campus. Let's say things don't work out of Florida state for whatever reason, as we've seen for a number of players, I think George would be a really strong transfer portal option for Mr. Hunter uh, down the line in the future. If things don't work out of Florida state, let's see. Scrolling through here. Um, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, Corey Ellison, I think Georgia's probably going to end tomorrow around 28, 29. I think they're going to potentially sign up to 32 guys in this class. You know, I expect Tyree West to decommit tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if there's one defensive back that decommits from this team. 
So you, you subtract two from that. You're at 25 right now. I think around 2930 is where they're going to end up. And then from there, they're going to have three or four spots open for a transfer portal type impact player. Like you saw Darian Kendrick be this year. And I think like they thought some of the other guys, Tyke Smith, JT Daniels, uh, or Reed Gilbert potentially be, you know, you look at the positions there, you think maybe cornerback though. I'm less convinced now after they land Dalen Everett today, outside linebacker, I think is definitely a spot where you might see a veteran come in and potentially play early there, uh, through the transfer portal and then wide receiver, especially considering George Pickens will be off to the NFL draft. Almost certainly. I think those are the positions you really look at there from a transfer portal standpoint. Uh, Paul Moon, I don't think you're going to get that birthday present, but this is still going to be an incredible class in terms of the talent that they have. Uh, Malachi Starks, I think, is going to be a very, very good player very, very soon for Georgia. You know, they have a chance to land, I think, potentially up to seven five-star players. five-star prospects there and you know the rate recruiting rankings are going to change again after sort of the all-american bowls so you know you could potentially see some more guys there but this is a really really strong class over a dozen top 100 players i think at the end of it and that's sort of what you need and then from there you need to be able to develop those players but i don't think it's quite a number one class but for most years this would be a class worthy of being the best in the country Uh, G Bama boy. Uh, so my actual prediction, I don't know enough about Alabama spots. Um, but I think, and you know, maybe it's just cause I write for Georgia. I'll say Texas A&M is going to finish with the number one class, unless they just whiff on all these guys that they're in on. Uh, they could, they're, I think that by the end of it, Texas A&M statistically speaking is going to sign the greatest recruiting class of all time in terms of total points for their recruiting recruiting class. I think Georgia and Alabama are going to be a fight for number two, and it could come down to decimal points and who gets ranked where so much than how many they land. Cause I think they're probably going to end up signing similar class sizes. Georgia's might be a little bit bigger because they signed a smaller class a season ago. Uh, but Alabama obviously as it stands right now has a higher average ranked recruit. So let's see. Uh, I see quarterbacks coming up. I wrote about the transfer portal today in the quarterback position. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if you see multiple guys transfer out from that quarterback room. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Well, G Bama boy, uh, you might want to go back and check out that 2019 class because that 2019 Alabama class, uh, while it was, I believe, ranked number one, uh, has not panned out at all. And Georgia's actually a lot of their best players, Trayvon Walker, N'Kobe Dean, Nolan Smith, George Pickens, when healthy, have come from that 2019 class there. So it, it's an interesting sort of battle in the way things break down there. Uh, 21, obviously, I think Alabama had the better class. I'd have to go look. Georgia had a very strong class and statistically finished with the number one class in 2020, but I'd have to go dig back through and sort of see how those players have played out right through right there as it stands right now. Let's see. Uh, the free JT people are still here. Um, uh, Michael Porter, Kojo Antwi. Uh, we haven't heard a whole lot about him. Uh, you know, he could be a signing day surprise, but again, I say surprise. I, I, I imagine he's still going to end up at Ohio State. Uh, Kevin Drummer, at this point with the recruiting class that Georgia has signed, specifically with the cornerback position, 
I think Georgia would would take Hunter as a wide receiver, given that it's where the lack of talent on this team stands right now, especially within this recruiting class. I think a wide receiver would be the position you would look at there for Mr. Hunter, at least in my opinion. Uh, but Grant, we, yeah, and you know, we've seen before a guy like Amico Harmon, they tried him out of corner. You know, obviously this is before Kirby Smart, Malcolm Mitchell came in and played some corner before ultimately moving to wide receiver. Uh, I think at a certain point you have to take those sort of athlete types and play them at wide receiver. And I think Hunter absolutely could do that for Georgia, but I don't, again, I think he's going to end up at Florida state. Uh, I did. I did see this. Steve Horde. One thing to watch tomorrow: Sean Washington, a, a recent Georgia commitment, did visit Florida this past weekend. That is another sort of battle to watch. There, uh, does he potentially end up flipping as well? Um, let's see. Uh, Green Soldier, I agree. I, I let off with this at the top. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is the most important guy for Georgia to land tomorrow. Uh, they need edge rushers. And Jones Jr. potentially fills that role. I, if you ask me right now, I'd probably say Nolan Smith ends up coming back, uh, just given he hasn't necessarily had the sack production he wants to have, especially as an edge rusher. Though he does a lot of things for this defense, and, and I think will be a very good NFL player. But if Nolan Smith, in the event that he leaves, which could certainly be the case, especially if they win a national championship that edge rusher position looks real bleak. Um, and you're going to see a lot of guys from this Georgia team either head to the NFL or head to the transfer portal. It's going to be a very different looking team next year. So I think they'll handle it better than say LSU did in 2019 or excuse me, 2020 coming off their national title. But this Georgia team is going to look very, very different next year. Um, I see an Elias Ricks. I don't think he's going to end up uh, at Georgia. Uh, if I had to guess, He's going to end up, I will note, I did predict on the show today, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. would, would sign with Georgia. We'll see if that ends up being right. But, uh, I also said they'd get Dalen Everett and he's already in the bag. So Georgia can land three, five stars tomorrow. Kamari Wilson, uh, Dalen Everett, who had already landed, who I'm counting him because when I said it today, he was not a committed prospect and Marvin Jones Jr. You land those three guys. That's a really successful day. Uh, let's see. Uh, Shelton Tucker, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the Georgia-Michigan game. This is early signing period. I'm answering most of the questions on that. We can talk about Georgia-Michigan. I think it's going to be a rock fight. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think these defenses are both going to try and control the ball. Georgia's going to need to hit on some explosive plays, and they're going to need to limit the Michigan running game. Uh, They are a very physical team. They're playing as well as anybody to end the season, and we'll sort of see how the month off impacts them and their ability to transfer that over. Let's see. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, statistically not even close. This is the best defensive back haul that Georgia has ever signed. And I'm actually, one of my weekend projects is to go through the recruiting database over the years and, and find out, is this truly from a recruiting standpoint, the best defensive back haul that has ever been signed? It shouldn't be too hard. I did this with the offensive line uh, for the 2020 class a few years ago. And, and I think there's a very good chance you could potentially end up seeing that be the case there. Just got to do a little bit of digging. I'm sure Kirby smart has signed some great uh, Alabama classes in terms of the defensive backs there as well. But in recent memory, again, five guys who rank in the top 102 prospects potentially for this Georgia class, that'd be a huge defensive back haul, which as, as we've seen, it's a big issue this year. And given the number of guys they expect to lose from that defensive back room, It's probably going to be an issue early on next year. So something to watch there going forward as well. Uh, Green Apple. Yes, I believe Big Bear is in fact signing there tomorrow. 
Uh, Darius Smith is a guy to watch again, plays for Applin County high school, not exactly a powerhouse factory down there in South central Georgia. So how, you know, is he a guy who's able to come in and play well? And because he was not this Uber recruit who had a ton of spotlight, a la Jamon Dumas Johnson, like we sort of talked about today, come in and have an early impact for Georgia. They're going to need, whether it be Marvin Jones or Darius Smith, one of the, the edge rushers that they sign in this class to come in and play and have an impact right away because they are very, very thin at that uh, outside linebacker position, which is why I think they ultimately also, even if they land, say, a Marvin Jones, I think they're going to look through the transfer portal for a player that fits for them. They're not going to just take a transfer portal player to take a transfer portal player, but if a guy is good enough, a la a Darian Kendrick, Georgia has shown they have no issues taking him if he fills a position of need. Uh, let's see. Comments, thoughts, questions. We might do one or two more and wrap up because it's going to be a long day tomorrow. Uh, guys are probably going to start. Guys are able to start signing as early as 7 a.m. Uh, I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Gunnar Stockton is the first guy in just to get it done and over with. Uh, Gunnar Stockton is one of the more interesting players in this class, just given, you know, by all accounts, he is an elite quarterback recruit, but we know very little about him. And I say we in terms of sort of the national recruiting complex because he did not do any of those big quarterback recruiting events, you know, the elite 11, so to speak over the off season. So the only time we've really seen him play is against two, a competition in Georgia. And while he's been great and set all sorts of records, it's hard to really compare that to what he might do at the next level. So, uh, let's see. Randy Hall. I, I think Tyke Smith is going to be a key player for this Georgia team next year, whether it be at the safety position or at the star position. I actually think Malachi Starks might be a name to watch there at the star position to come in and play early. I think he's a guy that could play very well for this Georgia team early on. And he is, he is one of the best athletes Georgia has ever signed a, a true do it all type player. And I think Georgia's going to have to find a way to get him on the field early. Uh, Maurice Long. So I think our schedule as it stands right now for tomorrow, we're going to have Dog Nation Daily at 10 a.m. We are going to go live for Kamari Wilson, probably around 345, 350. And the plan tentatively is to carry that Kamari Wilson announcement through the Marvin Jones Jr. announcement at 440. So we'll be on from probably about 10 to 1130, maybe 12. Maybe B.A. goes a little bit longer tomorrow, given the recruiting spectacle of it all. And then late afternoon for, for I would say from that three forty-five to five o'clock window as it stands right now. Uh, that might change. So uh, Dante Rivers, how many you sign? I think 29, I think 29 is the ultimate number, maybe 30, but I, I think 29, 30 is where it ultimately ends up. Uh, I uh, talking about Mike G is not a Michigan fan. He uh, is a Michigan state alum. I would actually go as far to say Mike G is a Michigan hater, uh, but uh, Mike G, Mike G is a Michigan State alum and is is not always fond of uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Let's see. I'm gonna scroll down. Let's get one more good question. Uh, Paul Moon. This actually, I mean, I'll probably ask Kirby this tomorrow when he has his press conference. I know some ha some sites have him listed as a linebacker. I think he's going to be a safety at Georgia. Uh, uh, I, I think that is where he best projects to make an impact. And given what Georgia has signed at the linebacker position, specifically the inside linebacker position in the last year recruiting cycles, I, I think 
telestrates, telestrates for you that you're going to see Malachi Starks back there in the secondary, but he is athletic enough to be able to do a lot of different things for this Georgia defense and to play all over the field. Again, in my opinion, in recent memory, he is one of the best pure athletes that Georgia has signed. I think he's going to be a very good player. Uh, Jamie Scott, I will end on this. Uh, A Nick Williams question, who as I think people who follow us know I'm quite fond of and the job that he has done absolutely plays a big part in what Texas Sam has been able to do. One thing I will monitor going forward, though, so A&M has taken a lot of Georgia guys. Uh, and when I say Georgia guys, I mean guys that have worked on the staff, maybe not always in front-facing roles, but in roles as that analyst. You know, Marcel Malachow was the director of player personnel at Georgia. He is now at Texas A&M. Williams was an analyst at Georgia, a graduate assistant at Georgia. He's now an analyst at Texas A&M. Obviously, James Coley, former Georgia offensive coordinator, is now the tight ends coach down there in College Station. A lot of those guys worked with Dan Lanning. And I'd be... I would not be surprised in the slightest if Dan Lanning takes a couple of those guys from that A&M staff, Malachow, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name, and Nick Williams, and brings him to his staff. Obviously, going forward, and, and, you know, it's going to be a story to monitor because, again, he's coached at Georgia. He knows a lot of Georgia guys. What Georgia guys end up going with him? You think back to Mel Tucker when he left. He took Jay Johnson, who was an offensive analyst, to be his offensive coordinator. You look at when Sam Pittman left. He took uh, Scott Fountainet, who was the special teams coordinator for Georgia, and brought him with him to Arkansas there. So there's probably going to be an assistant or two, maybe not an on-field assistant, but an analyst or two that does play a role for this Georgia program ends up ultimately going with Lanning up there to Oregon. So, And I think that's, you know, Dan Lanning did it right at Georgia. Great recruiter, great defensive mind, changed and made this defense better than the way that he had found it. And, you know, as a first-time head coach, you're not going to get a better job than Oregon. So I think he made the right call in leaping for it. I expect him to do very well, except for his first game of his career, which is actually against the Georgia Bulldogs uh, next year in Atlanta to open things up uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And it's going to be a lot of fun we got a lot of stuff to talk about between now and then. Obviously, early signing period starts tomorrow. We'll start ramping up our college football playoff talk. Georgia-Michigan, December 31st down there in Miami. Shows tomorrow, 10 a.m. Dog Nation Daily. 3.50. Uh, I'll, I'll throw that time out there. You've got Kamari Wilson commitment announcement. We're going to take you through the Marvin Jones announcement there as well. You've got before the hedges wrapping everything up tomorrow night around eight ish o'clock. You know, I can't tell you the exact time you've got. uh, We might have a cover for this week. We might not. Uh, Guys are going to be all over the place traveling a little bit. Let's see. uh, Monday, you've got Mike Griffiths on the beach show. I'm sure we'll have a ton of college football playoff talk there. And then obviously Brandon Adams every Monday through Friday. I'm not certain we're going to have a show next Tuesday, uh, you know, it's the holidays. Christmas is a, is a week from Saturday, as hard as that is to believe. And we might take a little bit of time off there for the show there. But we will be back, if not next Tuesday, the Tuesday after that, live from Miami, start of the Sugar Bowl, or the, not the Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl. We'll be in Miami. We'll have heard from offensive coordinators. We'll have heard from defensive coordinators. We'll have heard from coaches and players already as that really starts to ramp up there. Big signing day tomorrow. Should have a ton of content and coverage for you around Dog Nation very much looking forward to covering it all. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. My name is Connor Riley. It's Tuesday night. We do this every Tuesday night, except for maybe next Tuesday night. But this has been Connor and Coverage.